All right, guys, welcome back to Lesson 14. You know what that means? You've been through a whole lot of reading of the book of Genesis. In fact, here we are. We're plowing through Genesis 29, and i got to applaud you. You're still with us. Good job. I mean, I, I mean this. That's awesome. Actually, man, I'm glad you guys are still here, too. <laughs> now, you know, the reality is, is that when you start digging into the Word of God, some of it can just be really heady. Some of it can be these stories you're like, whoa, what in the world? But I love is that you guys in your discussion groups in studying the Word of God on a daily basis, you're beginning to get the bigger picture. And we know, and you've heard this, but the bigger picture in the book of Genesis is one word. That one word is seed. From Genesis 1 all the way even to what you're going to hear in Genesis 29, that seed continues in the story. Now, here's what I love about this is that when you go to Genesis 27, you know, we're talking about how Jacob and Esau, right? They, they've been fighting and uh, Rebecca is like in turmoil, right? You guys remember this? Her stomach before they, they come out and she's just like, oh, all of this. And then this fighting continues. Well, so much so because Jacob stole uh, the blessing and then he sold the, he, he received the, uh, the birthright from Esau. So there's just this fighting. And so Esau is hot. He's mad. He's ready to kill his brother. In fact, Genesis 27, 41, it says there's going to be a fight. A fight is going to come to the point of death. And so Genesis 27, verse 41, scripture just says this. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And Esau determined in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. In other words, uh, my time is ticking. I'm about ready to kill my brother, Jacob. But now that the mom, Rebecca, Kevin, you were right. We totally missed this last time. Kevin's like, oh, I think Rebecca's mentioned one other time. We're like, yeah, right. Did you hear what he said about Cain and Abel? And the next thing you know, Kevin was right and said, Genesis 27, 43, Kevin, props to you. Rebecca is mentioned again. And she says, so now my son, listen to me. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Haran. And so what she's saying is, is why? And stay with him for a few days until your brother's anger subsides. In other words, Rebecca knew that things weren't looking good. Esau wanted to kill Jacob, so go to Laban. So this is the story that begins to unfold in Genesis 28. Remember this. is He's told not to take a Canaanite woman. Isaac calls his son in and he blesses him and he says, and it's, it looks just like what we talked about, you guys. Remember when the servant was told, don't go find a Canaanite woman, uh, find somebody in the family, don't take them to the former land. This whole thing just unfolds again in Genesis 28. Isaac tells Jacob this this time. And he says in verses 3 and 4, this is one of the messianic uh, you know, prophecies that's pointing to, by the way, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you fruitful. You're going to be multiplied. You're going to make an assembly of peoples. Verse 4, it continues. The offspring is going to continue, and it's going to come through Jacob. Remember, Jacob was the one who Rebecca and Jacob, they deceived, they lied, all of this to get to this position, but it worked. And you have to wonder sometimes, did they know something more that we didn't know? Because we know in Hebrews it said Esau, he wasn't the guy that it looks like. There was something more to him. And so yet, even in this process in verse 5, just like Rebecca, verse 5, Isaac sent Jacob to Padan Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Amari. Uh, Aramean, the brother of Rebekah. So Rebekah sends him to Laban. Isaac sends him to Laban. So he is on a mission in Genesis 28. And in fact, in verse 6, when Esau hears that Jacob's going after these, these biblically godly things, Esau does the opposite. He goes, finds a wife from a, a Canaanite woman, and he marries a daughter of Ishmael. And so again, this battle just continues to rage. And I think it's absolutely phenomenal that this is the backdrop coming into Genesis 29, verse 1. Over and over and over again, Jacob knows he's the guy that's going to carry the seed. But the problem is, and we talked about this, you guys, when the servant went to go look 
for Isaacs, he needs a seed bearer. Jacob has no wife. Seed, seed bearer. Doesn't work if you don't have a seed bearer. And so they needed each other. So Jacob is on his way. Do you guys remember the quality of the servant? Do you guys remember this? What's the first thing the servant did? He prayed. He, he prayed. You won't find in Genesis 29, in verse 1, you're not going to find Jacob praying on his journey. It doesn't mean that he doesn't, but he resumed his journey and he went to the eastern country. We know approximately this could have been anywhere from 400 to 450 miles. That's a long haul. So Jacob, just like the past, he starts making things happen. He's on his way to find Laban, who's going to give himself uh, maybe a daughter. And it says in verse 2, of Genesis 29. He looked and he saw a well in a field. Three flocks of the sheep were lying there beside it because the sheep were watered from this well. A large stone covered the opening of the well. If you hold it right there for a second, typically what's going to happen is that all of these sheep are going to be surrounding the cistern, this well, and there's a large stone, just what it says in Scripture, that's covering the opening. Now, what usually happens is that on this opening, there's going to be a round hole that's cut out, and it usually takes two to three guys to move this thing. That, that's how big and heavy these things are. Use that as a backdrop. In verse 3, it says, when all of the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone. It doesn't say shepherd. It says shepherds would roll the stone from the opening of the well and water the sheep. The stone was then placed back on the well's opening. And I love this because the whole point of uh, Jacob going through this process is that he is himself. I'm just going to write this. Jacob his goal is to look for a wife. And so it says in verse 4, Jacob asked the men at the well, my brothers, it's a great term, broad term for relatives. My brothers, where are you from? And he really had no idea. And he said, well, we're from Haran. And they answered. And, and I love this. Jacob didn't even know he had finally arrived at his destination. He was there. And in verse 5, it's pretty fun. He says, well, do you know Laban, grandson of Nahor? And Jacob asked them and they answered, we know him. Oh, praise God. This is the guy I've been looking for. Scripture continues on in verse 6. If you watch this unfold, is he well? Please tell me. Yes, they said. And here is his daughter, Rachel, coming with his sheep. Now, how cool is this? That, you know, unbelievers would call this a coincidence, right? Oh, hey, look, what do you know? There's a girl there. We came to this place. But believers would begin to understand that God's hand is just on Jacob. God's hand is on this situation. And as it unfolds in verse 7, then Jacob said, look, it's still broad daylight. It's not time for the animals to be gathered. Water the flock, then go out and, and let them graze. This is really fun to me because what happens is Jacob is basically telling the shepherds what they need to do. He's basically telling them, hey, guys, I don't think you're doing your job correctly. And it almost comes off as some kind of arrogance. But he says that. Because, Kevin, go back to verse 6. Because there's Rachel. He doesn't want the shepherds around when he's talking to, to, to Rachel. So, hey, guys, why don't you go beat it? Get lost. They don't really respond well because it says in verse 8. But they replied, we can't until all the flocks have been gathered and the stone is rolled from the well's opening. Then we will water the sheep. In other words, we're still waiting for more sheep. In other words, we need more help. We, we can't do this. They could either take the approach where we're lazy, maybe they're just maybe morally tied to Laban and they're not saying anything. I don't really know, but what I love is that just, oh, this is fun to me. Watch verse 9, okay? In verse 9, it says, while he's still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep for she was a shepherdess. So this is all happening. Jacob obviously saw it coming. And then in verse 10, watch. 
As soon as Jacob, this is so fun, Jacob saw his uncle Laban's daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. He went up and he rolled the stone from the opening and he watered his uncle Laban's sheep. I mean, this dude is a seriously spiritual, uh, not spiritual, physical giant. I mean, all of a sudden, in fact, the Jewish tradition says that Jacob is a giant because it takes two to three guys to move the stone. And all of a sudden it was like, uh, Jacob manned up. Jacob manned up and said, I'm going to roll the stone by myself. It's true. Look what he did. He rolled the stone away. It's a pretty powerful picture about what he would do for Rachel. And in verse 11, here we go. It's one of the only times in scripture we actually see a man and a woman kiss. It's kind of an interesting, weird fact. But then it says, then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept loudly. Well, what does that mean? Well, this weeping loudly, it realized that he had success. Here's the problem with this verse. When the servant, Kevin, can you go there in Genesis 24, 24, 26, and 27? When the servant saw that God had given Isaac's wife to the servant, when he saw the success, it says, then he bowed down and he worshiped the Lord. And in verse 27, and then he begins to praise the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham. What's sad is, is that when Jacob, Kevin, now you can go to verse 11, when Jacob kissed Rachel and wept loudly, he didn't praise God. The journey had come to an end. And you know why he didn't praise God? Because he didn't pray to God. Now, I can't say that dogmatically that he didn't do that at any time. I'm just saying what we're missing is the obvious. Isaac had Rebecca, and then that led to uh, praising the Lord from the servant. But Jacob just, it was like he was doing everything in his own strength. That's what it felt. That's what this feels like. He's just doing everything in his flesh. Is that the case? I don't know. But I just know I don't see any praising the Lord or coming down and praying to the Lord. So in verse 12 of Genesis 29, he told Rachel that he was her father's relative, Rebecca's son, and she ran and told her father. In verse 13, when Laban heard the news about his sister's sons, Jacob, he ran to meet him, hugged him, and kissed him. A whole lot of kissing going on. Then he took him to his house, and Jacob told him all that happened. Hey, remember Rebecca sent me to come talk to you, and in the process I got blessed, and then my father Isaac, he told me to come and talk to you, and I wonder if he left out some of the parts about, oh yeah, I kind of lied to my dad. (laughs) I don't know. It says that all that happened. So to me, that would mean, well, I want to let you know about my six lies. And so in this process, uh, it goes on to verse 14. Laban said to him, yes, you are my own flesh and blood. And after Jacob had stayed with him a month, verse 15, Laban said, just because you're my relative, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Here's what's crazy to me. Laban is totally disregarding the family relationship with him and Jacob, as one commentator says. He wants just to make an economic arrangement. All he wants is what's in it for him. And in fact, over the next 20 years, what you're going to see, what Bruce Welke, Welke says, is that an oppressive Lord over a servant paying off a bride price. In other words, you're going to just see pure labor. Pure labor and Laban is all in it for himself. And then in verse 16, now Laban had two daughters. The older one was named Leah and the younger one was named Rachel. So you have Leah over here and then you have Rachel. Uh, Just for clarification, who is the older one? Leah. So you have the older and the younger. And now Jacob, watch this as it unfolds in verse 17. Leah had ordinary eyes. <laughs> what does that mean? Anybody have any ideas? I got some biblical terms, but you guys, when you think about ordinary eyes, what does that mean to you guys? Didn't turn anybody's head. It didn't turn anybody's head. <laughs> 
this kind of blah? I don't know. Jeff, you got anything? I don't know. My, mine says delicate. Yes. So I don't know if uh, you know, maybe she was hard at seeing. I, I don't know. Okay, so delicate is one of the definitions. Weak, soft. Now, the opposite is is that it says Rachel was shapely and beautiful. Though, <laughs> this is crazy. You want to know what Leah's name means? This is not good. Cow. <laughs> it's true. And then, I'm, you guys, I'm not a farm guy real well, so when I say this term, how would you say that? You? You. You? You. you. So Leah's name means cow. Rachel means you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Meh. Okay, but now this is actually a true point here. Ready? Hang in here. I know this is lesson 14. You guys are doing good. Laban treats his daughters, as one commentator says, like commodities that he can bargain. And so I actually really believe that these names of these women, their dad treats them like that. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. All he wants is what's in it for him. And the weird thing is, in verse 18, Jacob says he loves, okay, Jacob loves Rachel. So he answered Laban, I'll work for seven years for your younger daughter. I will work for seven years for your younger daughter. So honestly, he was pretty real. I mean, this is a big deal. Hey, by the way, I'm going to work for seven, seven years. Laura and I, we dated for four years. That's a long haul. And then we were engaged, I think, for 11 months. Like this guy says, I'm in it for seven years if I can have your younger daughter, Rachel. Rachel, in Genesis 29, verse 19, here's what happened. Laban replied, better than I give her to you than to some other man. (laughs) Man, Laban, Laban, Laban just shoots straight. He's just like, well, I guess if you're all I got, that's what I'll do. I mean, that's what this sounds like, right? Better I give her to you than, well, some other guy. So just stay with me. That's a super weird answer. And I have to be honest, I don't know if Jacob even understood that this answer was kind of weird. Like, I don't think he was in a spiritual spot to discern what Laban was saying. I don't think he was in the right mindset. So in verse 20, it says, Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, and they seemed like a few days to him because of his love for her. You know what? I have to be honest. When, when Laura and I went through the dating phase, it just went super fast. I don't know if you guys remember the times that you started dating your, your wives, uh, to me, that dating period, it just, it, it flew. That's why it's funny to me to watch people dating. They're like in another world. You know, like, oh, hey, I love my girlfriend. Like they're oblivious to real life. <laughs> I think that what Jacob is, is like with Rachel. Seven years, that's nothing, man, I got it. And the next thing you know, Jacob then said to Laban, give me my wife for my time is completed. I want to sleep with her. Some weird tra- Why is everything weird right now? It's like, that's his line to his future father-in-law. Hey, by the way, if I can have my wife, I'd like to sleep with her. The reality is, is that th- Jacob, he's not in the right mindset. Like he's not thinking seed so he can continue to, to walk through this blessing. I, I just think he's a young guy in love and he just wants to have sex with Rachel. That's really all it comes down to. And so what do you know? Laban invited all of the men to the feast everybody's getting married. This is really kind of fun. And so that evening, Laban, so there's this big feast. Now at a feast, let's be honest, there's probably alcohol involved, okay? And so there's probably alcohol, lots of food. So then that evening in verse 23, Laban took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob. Now, just so you know, he worked for seven years for Rachel, not for Leah. 
And some people will be like, well, I don't understand. How could you sleep with the older daughter and not even have a clue? Well, let me just tell you this. First of all, the tent was probably really dark. That's kind of an obvious statement back then. And then the bride usually always entered the tent veiled. And so usually the man would never see the woman. There was a veil. In fact, multiple multiple commentators said one time she came in heavily veiled. One commentator said she came in completely veiled. And I think the point is that Josephus even said it's so dark in there that it would be very common for a man to have no clue that who he's with. It's just like Jacob pretended to be his older brother. Remember this? When he pretended to be Esau and he put on the goat hair and put on the goat hair in the back. I just wanted to say goat hair again. And uh, like it's all coming back full circle. And so now this time, Laban, he, he, he had Leah pretend to be the younger sister. I actually believe that there's something to this. That he pretended to be one thing and oh, by the way, it's going to happen to you as well. And so then Laban gave his, his slave Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a slave. Now that might sound weird, but this was totally customary that whenever you got married, the, 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 the husband, the, the father gave typically a servant or a slave girl to the marriage. And so Zilpah, which means small nose. People's names, man, are weird. You got cows, ooze, and small noses. And then in verse 25, it says, when morning came, there was Leah. So he said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? What is it that you've done to me? Wasn't it for Rachel that I, I worked for you? Why have you deceived me? I wonder if when he said deceive, he thought, oh, oh no. Like, I wonder if, if any role of the Holy Spirit at that moment came upon him and kicked in. I don't know, but I just know that Jacob, as he took advantage of Isaac's bad eyesight, I know that same thing happened. Laban took advantage of the darkness in Jacob's tent in the dark as well. It's all coming back full circle. Now, here's a question I have for our guys. One of the commentators says this, Laban takes the prize in the Old Testament for being despicable. How is any, what he is, is, isn't Laban, how is Laban any different than what Jacob did? Would you say, I mean, wouldn't you say they're kind of the same in some regards? Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's, it's the same concept. I suppose the, the commentators are looking for the length of time that he played it out over. Yeah. Well, but doesn't it also say though in the scripture that's, that Laban said in our culture, it, it's our culture to give the firstborn, not the second. And so to some instance, yeah. uh, isn't the onus on um, Jacob, on Jacob yeah. to like know the culture that he's in? And yeah. you, I, I think like, wouldn't you figure that out by now? I mean, here he had been working seven years. Yeah. Clearly he should have picked up on something. Like, I wonder if they're going to give me Leah. <laughs> well, it says, and so to, to prove your point, Rich, in verse 26, Laban answered, it's not the custom in this place to give the younger daughter in marriage before the firstborn. It's always the firstborn first. And so in, in verse 20, now I got to read this quote because this is going to play an impact to the rest of this time. There's a commentator, Salehammer, said this, Jacob had planned to take Rachel as his wife, but God intended him to have Leah. We're gonna, I, I wrestled with that actually for quite a while when I read that. I was like, no, 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 that's not the case. Laban intended it. But man, when you see the big picture of the seed, when you see the big picture of the seed, you will see Leah is a game changer. And so in verse 27, uh, Laban says, all right, I want you to complete this week of wedding celebration. Enjoy being married to my daughter <laughs> that I tricked you. 
You know, that's what he's saying. Complete this week of wedding celebration. And then we'll also give to you this younger one, Rachel, in return for working yet another seven years for me. Now, you can take all kinds of different angles. We were talking in the break, you know, Josephus and others have this angle. Did he did he get to have Rachel within seven days and then he had to work for them for seven years? Or did he have to, after the wedding celebration, work for seven years and then get Rachel? Yes. I don't know. All I know is this. The poor guy ended up getting married to two women who are two sisters. And in this time, in, in, in this context, uh, in Leviticus 18, 18, it says, oh, by the way, the Mosaic law says you can't marry two sisters. <laughs> Kevin, can you go there? Leviticus 18, 18. You're not to marry a woman as a rival to her sister and have sexual intercourse with her during her sister's lifetime. Why? Because it's going to cause crazy rivalry between Leah and Rachel. Good old Moses, he just kind of puts it as it is, doesn't he? <laughs> nope, none of that. That's going to cause some serious problems. And oh, by the way, it totally did. He's a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, Moses should have had it written it earlier. Okay, so here's J- Jacob decided in verse 28, he decided to work for a second wife. He finished the week of celebration, and then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, as his wife. It would seem after seven days that he gave Rachel to him. That, that's what it looks like according to the scripture. And then in verse 29, here's the custom again. Laban gave his slave Billa, which Bella, Billa means carefree, uh, to his daughter Rachel as her slave. So now all of a sudden, <laughs> he's got two wives, two slaves, and Jacob, he's got a whole lot on his plate. Jacob, it says in verse 30, he slept with Rachel also. And indeed, he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Strangely enough, Jacob, he does the same thing his parents, Isaac and Rebekah, did. They showed favoritism. Isaac favored Esau. Rebekah favored Jacob. Jacob now favors Rachel rather than Leah. And I'll tell you, that is never good. I was going to say for a marriage, but that's kind of weird because there's two two wives in the marriage. You know, uh, polygamy and bigamy. Bigamy, is that right? I think that's the way the way you say it. It was never God's will. One man, one woman. Adam and Eve, it doesn't say Adam and Eve and Esther and Ruth, (laughs) just Adam and Eve. And I think anytime you add to what God's plan is, it just gets messy. But praise the Lord, amidst all of this, God can continue to move. So much so that there's this lineage called uh, the 12 tribes of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. And we're going to get into this, but at the end of Genesis 29, and it jumps into, into 30, all of a sudden, the 12 sons you're starting to see are being born. In fact, Leah, uh, Kevin, can you go there if you would, please? Genesis 29. Leah, in, in verse 31, it says, When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, remember, who uh, Jacob loved Rachel. So when he saw that Leah was unloved, some versions even say hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was unable to conceive. This is just God just working. And in verse 32, she then gives birth to three kids. Leah conceived, gave birth to a son and named him Reuben. For she said, the Lord has seen my affliction. Surely my husband will love me now. Continues on in verse 33. She conceived again and gave birth to a second son and said, the Lord heard that I am unloved. I'm hated and has given me this son also. So then she named him Simeon. So you have Reuben and Simeon that comes in the line. This is so fascinating to me, you guys. So you have Reuben and you have Simeon, and this is a part of the the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes of Israel, of Jacob, come from Leah, who wasn't even supposed to be in the picture. Laban, uh, a weird dad, a weird uncle that is all about the economy and the money for himself, just says, oh, by the way, I'm going to trick you. 
because of that trickery and that uh, deception, two sons, Reuben and Simeon, are born. But now watch this one in verse 34. She conceived again and gave birth to a son. And she said, at last, my husband will be attached to me. Am I? Is that right, guys? Did I say that? Is it three or four? There's four. Yeah, there's four. Okay, let's keep going here. I don't know why I said three. Give birth to a son, and last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him. Th- yeah, that's what it is. I've borne him three sons. Therefore, he was named Levi. Okay, so those are the three sons that we're talking about. Okay, now watch this. And she conceived again, and she gave birth to a son. And she and, and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah. So this is the fourth. And the fourth one is Judah. Then Leah stopped having kids. Leah, who probably felt unworthy, probably felt like nobody loved her. Uh, We know Jacob didn't care. He'd rather have Rachel anytime. And we know that Leah, who has ordinary eyes, meh eyes, like seriously, like just blah, all of a sudden God says, no, I'm going to use you. And now he's given Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and then Judah. And do you guys understand the magnitude and the significance of Leah giving birth to Judah? It's pretty unbelievable. If you would, look in Matthew 1, verse 2. We're going to go to the lineage of the Messiah, the lineage of Christ. And Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. So in like the top four, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then it goes to Judah. You know who mothered Judah? Leah, the unwanted sister that nobody wanted. Now watch this, though, as this continues in Luke 3, verse 30. Pretty special how this works. Luke 3, verse 30. Again, here we are looking at the lineage of the Messiah. Son of Simeon, son of Judah, son of Joseph, son of Jonam, and son of Eliakim. What you have is, again, in the lineage of Christ, is the son of Judah. Who gave birth to Judah? Leah. And Jacob didn't even want to be with her. Now in Hebrews 7, verse 14, it just continues to build over and over about the importance of Judah. Now it's evident that our Lord came from Judah. The seed from Jacob and the seed bearer, which is Leah, they actually led to the lineage that that came and led to the Lord. Our Lord came from Judah, and Moses said nothing about that tribe concerning priests. What I love is, is that, yes, Judah comes from Leah, not Rachel. And one last thing in the book of Revelation. So here you are in the book of Genesis, and we're talking about the seed of the woman, the seed of Christ. And now it literally penetrates all the way to Revelation. When you go to Revelation 5.5, here's the proof in the pudding. Here is the big book end from Genesis to Revelation. Then one of the elders said to me, stop crying. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has been victorious so that he may open the scroll and its seven seals. If I could just say it real plain, like the woman that nobody looked at, the woman that nobody wanted, the husband just said, here, please take her. And because of Jacob having relations with her, the seed and the seed bearer, what do you know? It now points to the lineage of the tribe of Judah. How awesome is that? God can redeem and restore any situation and he can overtake anybody's motives. And that's what I love. Jacob might have had the wrong motive. Maybe he wanted somebody else, but God says, no, 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 I'm going to trump this. I'm going to intervene. And hence the lion from the tribe of Judah comes. 
The root of David comes from Leah, the older daughter of Laban. I tell you, this is a crazy story. It gets weirder and more fun every single day that you study the Word of God. This is Genesis 1 through 29. And my prayer is, is that you're beginning to see more of this and that it's all beginning to fit. We're going to take this picture, this painting right here, and Minnie's going to paint 65 others. And you know what's going to happen is that when we put all of these together, it's going to show the picture of the Messiah. And in Genesis, it starts with the seed. All right, I can't wait to dig into tomorrow to Genesis 30 and on. Until then, have a great day. Thanks.